Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz, and you are my People of the Book. And it's great to be back for another week. I missed you last week. And counting down, I'm sure, till the end of the year, and for those who are managing to have a break and get away, I'm sure you are counting the sleeps, looking forward to it. Um, for those who are still at school, I uh, hope you are doing well in your exams. hope you are studying hard, and I'm sure you're also counting down until those are finished. My guest today is Sue Inyati, and for those who don't know, Sue has brought out a fabulous new book. It's called Family Affair. It's published by Pan Macmillan. And um, it's great to have Sue as my guest today. Welcome, Sue. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to the conversation, Jan- Janice. Yes, looking forward to having a great chat. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Anyway, no, it's just you and me. Just you and me. Um, and I have to say, it was great because Sue was, um, I think, one of the first people to have a live book launch again after so many months of of nothing happening live in person and it was really wonderful to meet you because I I was there which was really amazing it was obviously held under strict COVID um, restrictions and it was all done you know really you know all the the right restrictions in place and it was wonderful to be out there and and live and in person it was really amazing it was indeed I mean I, I remember thinking I don't want COVID to rob me of the moment, you know, uh, of, you know, launching the book. But, yeah, yes, it's as, just trying as it to. So, so many others. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it was a fabulous launch. It was a great conversation. And it was it was really amazing. And it was great to be out and about. And it was, as I say, great to meet you. And the conversation was great. And we are going to have a great conversation here this morning as well. As I said, the book is A Family Affair. And um, it's available, all good bookstores, it's available online. It has a beautiful cover. And I'm going to start off by chatting about that cover, which will lead into our discussion about the book itself. The cover is very eye-catching. When you walk into a bookstore and if you're looking for this book, you're not going to be able to miss it because it's colorful and it's it's a, a lovely cover. It's a tree. Firstly, um, <laughs> it's it's green, um, like a yellow, orange, bright, and it looks like it's a picture that's been torn apart and put back together, um, as many families are. And the family in this book that we're talking about is the Mafu family. The book itself takes place in Zimbabwe, in Bulawayo, um, to be specific. And um, tell us about this cover. Sue, with with that's been patched together with with what looks like a, a an elastoplast band-aid plaster band-aid, in the middle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the cover was designed by a lady called Ayanda Pasha, and so I mean she she obviously got a brief, but I remember when I spoke to my publisher, I was like, what I would like to see on the cover is a tree, because you know a, a family tree represents a family. You know, we have yes. we all come from family, our roots, 
and the branches, you know, of the family as we all grow and expand. And then I guess she read a bit of the book and she captured, yeah, she captured the essence of what you were saying of the, because of the, the photograph, you know, the torn into four pieces. Um, and, and basically it represents torn relationships. Um, but, you know, the problem with a lot of families, because we don't mend, you know, the the brokenness from the roots, we, you know, the mending is always superficial on the surface, which is why you have the Band-Aid. Yes. And, yeah, and so that sort of represents, you know, the theme in the book, you know, of our relationships. We keep it together, but sometimes, you know, uh, there's no there's no healing or we don't deal with the deeper issues. You know, and it's just like you know, we try and maintain that facade of togetherness as a family. And, yes, and even when it's put back together, it's never the same as it was before. before sometimes, yes. yes, sometimes some things improved, some things have deteriorated, mm-hmm. but it it never quite looks the same as the same. this picture on the cover depicts really, really aptly that. It's not the same. And as you say, we're all branches of a tree. And as the family in the book, it's not just the immediate family. It stretches out to extended family as well. Yeah. So there's aunts and there's, you know, the, the, the extended members of the family. And in this family in particular, I think that the, the patriarch of the family considers his flock to be part of his family as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think it, it captures the essence of most African families. You know, you have the main core, but extended family life is very important, you know. And so your aunts, your uncles, you know, your cousins. And so that's why you have all these characters, you know, that are also part of of the, this Mafu family. Yes. And I'm going to, to take it a step further. And I know you... You're talking about African families because this book obviously is about an African family. But I think in most cultures that that would apply as well. I know in the Jewish culture, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that's definitely something that applies. I mean, family is, is the essence of, of what we stand for, our family. And that's what we instill in our children. And that's, that's what we stand for. We, we, we get together for our family events, for, for all the, the, you know, our, our festivals and our cultural events and, you know, you're, you've divided the book up into, into, um, four different parts and, and it depicts, you know, the life cycle. Yeah. And for all our life cycle events, for birth, for, for marriage, for coming of age events, you know, mm. family is, is, is quintessential to all those events. It's vital. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I think also, as you say, you didn't want to be robbed of your launch <laughs> and you've been robbed of all these, <laughs> these, these events, you know, for, for so many people, they've been robbed of these, these things because we haven't been able to come together for yeah. these events as we would normally do so. Mm, so, this, at the center of this book, as we've said, is the Mafu family. And the patriarch and the matriarch of the family are Abraham and his wife Pumla. Mm-hmm. And and Abraham is is a is a pastor. And he, he wasn't always a pastor, but we'll get to that. <laughs> and they are the leaders of their church, the kingdom of God. And they have 
three daughters, um, X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're not, their names are not X, Y, and Z. It's um, Zoliswa, Yandisa, and Zandile. Mm-hmm. And they obviously need to portray for their congregation, you know, the facade of this, this wonderful, lovely, perfect family. Mm-hmm. But as we know, no family is perfect. That's so true. Yeah, it never is. And the funny thing is, uh, Janice, I mean, look at the first family we meet in the Bible. Um, Cain kills Abel. Absolutely. (laughs) That dysfunction has always been there, (laughs) and it will continue to be there. (laughs) From the beginning of time, literally. (laughs) Yeah, and yet we all all strive for that facade of perfection. I don't know why that is, though. You know? um, Also, you know, one has to wonder why it's something that, that everyone strives for and everyone, you know, really is desperate to hide behind. Mm-hmm. And so much so that they seem to think that they have the ability to hide what has has happened in the past because, as I say, they didn't always have this church. Mm-hmm. They they had a life before they decided to to be the founders of this church. And we're going to take a break now but after the break, we're going to really get into the meaty stuff of this book in detail. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back with my guest, Sue Inyati, and we are chatting about her book, A Family Affair, which is published by Pan Millen and available now from all bookstores and also online. Sue, so before the break, we were chatting about Pastor Abraham and his wife, Pumla, and their church, the kingdom of God, and how people are so desperate to create this this facade of perfection. And I think one of the main themes of of the book, of your book, is this carefully um, constructed facade of morality. Yeah. And, and this church family that, that you've created here so, so well. And their, the morality that they want to portray for, for their, their congregation and for, for his flock. And he, he honestly seems to think that he can wipe clean the slate of his life beforehand. How yeah. do you think he achieves this? I mean, because obviously, we we have a culture in, in all cultures in all religions. Mm-hmm. We do have this culture of our leaders who are not beyond reproach, mm-hmm. but they they always do have these these people who will follow them blindly, mm-hmm. no matter how many steps they they put wrong, no matter what they say, no matter what they do. Um, we will always have people who will follow them blindly. And I think you think he yeah. achieves this. I don't think he does, but I think it, you know, the whole thing of him projecting that he does, you know, rests on the premise that, you know, your sins are forgiven. You're born again and you have a clean slate, you know. And so, you know, whatever you did in your past no longer, um, you know, has a bearing on your present. Like you actually start, you're resetting the clock, so to speak. But I think, you know, your past always does influence your 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 future and we see that a lot in the book you know how history plays itself out and repeats itself 
And yes, I think it does, and yeah. often through your children, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think depending on the lens you're coming from, for some people they might think that you know it's a generational curse, you know, that are, are carried from one generation to the next. And for for others, I mean, philosophy often says that you know if you if you don't deal with something, it'll keep coming back in your life um, and representing Karma. itself. Yeah. Until yeah, until you deal with it, and so yeah, so it it depends on you know your your thought, uh, of, you know, and your beliefs, what you believe. So, so in the book, um, Abraham and Pumla, and and Pumla also, I mean, it's not just Abraham who's guilty of this. His wife plays a, a huge role. Mm-hmm. In in supporting him in in this because <laughs> she's complicit, you know that united oh, front. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I mean, some of her behaviour, I must be honest, horrifies me. Mm-hmm. That you know, you you and and, and I mean the the aunts as well. I mean, Susan Tombi, the, the one of the the aunts in the book. She's also. I mean, the the the, the vast difference between Ntombi and her sister um, Lugile it's, it's, it's you wonder I mean and we'll get to because the, the other theme I found was the theme of, of marriage yeah, and the book starts, starts with mm-hmm. a marriage this perfect wonderful marriage um, and that's, that's the youngest daughter Zandile she's getting married to the love of her life and Zandile is I mean by all accounts what they would see as the perfect child. She's the one who's, who's followed them. She's done everything she should. She's, um, you know, she's, she's the religious one. She's church abiding. She's, you know, she's newlywed. She's, she's marrying the, the, the right man and he's perfect. His family, well, I don't know about the family being perfect, but, um, she's the one who stayed close to home. She does what she should. But she also becomes disillusioned and, mm-hmm. but, um, but the marriage, but marriage, I mean, we're, we're told, you know, act like a strong, independent black woman or a strong, independent woman, regardless of your, your race or your, or anything. But marriage is, is something to be seen as something to aspire to. It's, it's seen as a prize. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's why it's a prominent theme in the book because I started writing this book in my 20s, right? And even then, I, and I wrote it because I was under pressure to get married, okay? And, you know, it was something you had, you know, you had to tick the box. It didn't matter what you did. You know, I mean, I'd gone to varsity, but the expectation was, okay, the education is there for you to fall back on. But ultimately, you need to get married. And so for me, what was interesting is when I revisited this manuscript. So, you know, like when I turned 40 and, you know, I'm still unmarried. And what was interesting for me is my younger sister, who's 15 years younger than me, her and all her friends had all started getting married and they're like 20, 24, 25. And they're also professionals, doctors, you know, actuaries, you know, so they've also gotten in an education. And for me, it was interesting to see that same thing play out, you know, even for their generation. So, it just showed me that, you know, marriage is still something women still, you know, aspire towards. It's something that you must achieve. And the pressure has, you know, still remains despite 
the choices that are now available to women. Um, yes. It still remains one of those things that women still have to tick that box. And so that's why, you know, I, I thought, let me, you know, I, I, then I wanted to in, revisit this manuscript and, and yeah, and, and look at it again because I, it just felt so relevant. It's still very relevant even now. It, it, I found that it's fascinating and, and still, and, and again, something that remains, I know, in, in, in our culture as well. I mean, it's not just something specific to, I don't think, any one culture. Mm-hmm. It, it fascinates me that, as you say, regardless of, of all the options that are now available and they tell you, be strong, be independent, but it's still something that's considered to be a prize. Yes. Go out there, find <laughs> that man. You know, find yeah. that perfect man. And, and he must yeah. be. He's got to be tall, strong, handsome, professional, wealthy. He's got to be. He's also got to tick all the boxes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, Daba represents that. So in 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 their story, he represents you know that perfect. Zandile did the right things. She ticked all the boxes. So that's the kind of like your blueprint, you know, uh, of you know how your life should play out basically. So that, I, that's, I, did, I yeah. did like that little altercation, um, you know, before the the wedding ceremony about the. The discussion about the alcohol, um, yeah. when when Abraham was saying, you know, there shouldn't be any alcohol, and and <laughs> Dabba's mother reminds him that that Jesus turned water into wine. So, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That was, yeah. you know, uh, let's just get things straight here. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no, from where you came. Um, so that was brilliant. But um, one of the other themes. Um, and I'm going to get back to the, the marriage theme and the whole um, the, the theme, the, the issue of labola and initiation and all of that. I, I want to get back to that because that I found that so interesting, um, and that's just an interest, you know, a cultural interest. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to mention: Did it ever occur to you? I mean, obviously, um, when you write a book, especially writing a book in South Africa or writing a book in Africa. Um, you want this to appeal to an international audience. You want a book to appeal to an international audience. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when one writes a book, you just want the book to be read by mm-hmm. an audience. Yes. Um, did it occur to you to write a glossary? Um, because there's a lot of terminology in here that obviously one would not understand if one does not come from an African culture. So... <laughs> There's a lot of no. words here that, that um, would need translation, and there's no glossary. Okay, so that, that, I, that was deliberate because I thought there were certain words, okay, that lose their meaning once you translate them. Yeah, yeah I do get so, that. Yeah, so I wanted to avoid that. So what I tried in most times if you is to for the reader to try and infer meaning around the context of the conversation. Yes. Because somehow if you just add the ton, it doesn't, it doesn't mean the same thing. And so that was the problem with doing a glossary. Um, so and, yeah. And also, and also when you, when you are reading, you kind of do picture characters and you do picture the way they're talking and the way they're saying something, the expression in their voice. Yeah. But, um, I, I do still think that some type of glossary might be helpful. You know, maybe what we could do, Janice, is maybe put up like a website. Well, I have a website. I could maybe add, you know, um, that there and maybe try give a more detailed explanation. So that might I be I think useful. that would be that would yeah. be brilliant. And then that would send people to your website, which is also yeah. always so, so please, great yeah. Idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll definitely consider that, yeah. Okay, great. 
the, the other theme, I mean, I'm, I'm working my way through the themes here. Um, the other theme, um, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't avoid that there's a lot of that running through the book. Um, Yandisa's partner, Wesley, I mean, he's yeah. a bit of a horror. Um, not that Yandisa is any angel at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Marshall, one has to mention Marshall. Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tulani as well, to a certain extent. I mean, obviously, I, I, for you who, who's listening and if you haven't read the book, I am recommending that you read the book because it is a fabulous book. It's a great book. It's a, it's one of those wonderful books that you can curl up and just read. It's, it's, you immerse yourself in it. So you probably are not going to know who we're talking about, but I'm, I'm picking out characters in the book that just depict um, the theme that I'm talking about, which, as I said, toxic masculinity. And when you read the book, you'll know why I'm, I'm picking out these people. Um, but Tulani, particularly, although he doesn't come across as vehement, vehemently um, toxic, to me, he came across as the most toxic. Okay. Um, and, and I don't know why, but I took just a huge, huge dislike to him, a massive aversion to him. He just okay. got to me in a big way. <laughs> okay. I, I, <laughs> I wanted to unpack. <laughs> I wanted all, to unpack all that. things that the other guy did. I wanted to just, just rip him out of the pages there. Um, yeah. So, so can we talk about him for a couple of minutes? <laughs> okay, so Tulani, I think because he looks like a good guy. Um, yes, I think yeah. that's, that's... That's why, yeah, and that's it. And and for me, I also wanted to unpack this whole term, a good guy. I mean, what do we mean by that? You know, I think we all experience men differently. And a man can be good to you, you know, and he could be you know, awful to you, but it's the same man. And so for me, the the question is, Koliswa would probably, if she, if someone asked her about Tulani, she'd be like, oh no, he's, uh, you know, he's the pits. But his wife, Dando, would probably say, oh, he's a lovely guy. He's a good man to us. You know, he takes care of the family. And I just, you know, so, and it goes back to the thing that we experience people differently or they show us different, you know, aspects of themselves, you know. So that's why that term also is very problematic that he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. So and, that's, then, and, that's then, and then obviously, you know, he intertwines himself with the family and there, there comes that whole incestuous part where, where you know, we, sorry, I, I can't do that click. Um, Koliswa thinks she's rid of him. You know, she, he's gone. But, mm-hmm. but then he's he's back. And yeah. he's there. And, you know, you just, you can't get rid of him. He's there. He's he's kind of wheedled his way in. And, you know, and the, I think that just, I was like, no way. You know, why? Where? How? Just, just, I don't want to see him. I don't want to hear from him. I don't, and I can just imagine, you know, She's stuck with the guy. They are stuck with this guy. And yes, as you say, the good guy. Because, you know, he comes across as this, he's also, he's, he's in some ways, he's like an endeavor. He's, yeah. he's a nice guy. Yeah. He's ticking boxes there, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
And, you know, and the thing why I bring him back as well, you know, oftentimes when you're involved with someone and then the you break up and there's a lot of animosity and people always say, oh, karma will get him. But, you know, sometimes people actually move on and have a good life. And life does go on. And I just wanted to show that as well, that, you know, you know life yeah. sometimes doesn't serve them lemons at all. They can actually move on and have a, a you know, a full life. And isn't that just annoying? <laughs> <laughs> it is. But it really, it is, it is, really it is. is. Yeah. Um, let's talk briefly about um, Babalwa mm-hmm. and Babs. And the fact that, that so many families, um, you know, she's brought up as um, Abraham and, and Pumla's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. She's not their granddaughter. Yeah. She's and brought up as their daughter, yeah. She's brought up as their daughter, right. She's their granddaughter. She's brought mm-hmm. up as their daughter. She doesn't know that she's actually not their daughter. Mm-hmm. And and let's talk about the fact that there are so, so many families in Various cultures. And I mean, this, this is going back. I mean, let's, let's not lie. I mean, this is going back centuries where yeah. this happened. Um, I mean, I'm thinking like, like years ago, you know, in, in, in England where it just wasn't the right thing. And then they sent you away. You had your baby. You came back and your mother brought up your child and your child was now your sister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and the way that she she reacts and the way she she seems I don't know if this is intentional, but she seems quite sidelined. Yeah. Was that your intention to to I mean obviously later on in the book her her the way that she plays it out, the way she she plays up and the way she she her behaviour becomes, you know, just uh, you know, is it typical teen behavior? Is it her reaction to, to what she discovers about her, her, her life and about who, who is her mom? And was I it your intention to write her as, you know, just, you know, she's, she's sidelined. She is. Yeah. I mean, I think when the book begins, she is very much part of this family, right? Yeah. And we believe she's one of the daughters, but I think it's on the revelation, um, that she's not with the, the problems, where the cookie crumbles. Yes. Yeah, and so that that part was intentional, because I I feel like we 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 do this a lot, you know, and it it goes back to that, you know, theme that you raise the morality issue, you know, because women aren't supposed to be having children out of wedlock. We 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 hide that. Um, we want to hide those kids, and and I think we do. It's a disfavor to those children because they do grow up on the sidelines, like outcasts in a way, you know. Yes. So, and their mothers get married and they stay behind. They don't belong anyway. You know, they're just floating. And I think, yeah, there are psychological ramifications to that. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not something that you come back from. It's not something you recover from. It's, you know, you, it's not something that you, you know, I know they say, I mean, one of my favorite expressions is don't look behind you. You're not going that way. Yeah. But, um, it's not something that you, you ever actually recover from. I know, I know you, you make a life for yourself and you move forward, but you know, being, you know, you, there's always that, that sense of abandonment. Yes. That stays with you. That stays with you. Mm-hmm. So, and as you say, that, that comes from, from going back to the theme of morality. 
mm-hmm. and and Abraham and, and well specifically Abraham talks about oh well she's basically her mother's daughter mm-hmm. and he blames her behavior when she is a bit older on you know well her mother behaved like that she's going to behave like that what can you do right off and oh well he's quite uh, happy to do that um the the I, I love the, the different relationships between the aunts and and their nieces mm-hmm. and the, the different leeway that they they wanted to give them and after this break I, I want to talk about that and I want to bring in the the concept of of this the initiation and makotis and things like that because that uh, that interests me so much I find that fascinating so okay. we're going to take a break and then I want to talk about that I love it when you read to me. this is people of the book with Janice Leibovitz I'm back with my guest Sue Inyati and we are discussing her fabulous book a Family Affair, it's published by Pan Macmillan, available at all bookstores and also online. And I really suggest you read it. It is a really, really great read. And before the break, we were talking about you know, the different themes in the book, mainly morality, toxic masculinity, and the church, and different cultures and religion, and the way that our religious leaders like to hide behind their their leadership roles and they think it protects them from, from most things because, you know, they have followers who always tend to follow blindly along. Um, so as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. I wanted to, to chat about the, the aunts in the book, these aunties mm-hmm. and the, the roles that they play. They play a vital role in, in the extended family, um, um, and the Mafu family life. And there's Ntombi and, and Lungile. Mm-hmm. Sister Ntombi and Sister Lungile. And it, it, it fascinates me that the roles they play and the, what they are prepared to accept from each of the girls. What they'll accept from one, they won't accept from the other. Mm-hmm. What they accept from, from Abraham and Pumla. And it, it just, it amazes me. And we were talking about no matter how far we've come and how modernized we are and how we say that women are strong and independent, we have so many options open to us and we tell our mothers, our sisters, our daughters, you know, go out there, you know, study, be a professional. But the prize is still marriage. Mm -hmm. Find yourself that perfect man. Mm -hmm. And what interests me is, um, your description, your your very very detailed description in the book, firstly of of marriage and the marriage ceremony, but also of of the the lobola ceremony and the negotiations for lobola, and then also after the actual marriage, this initiation ceremony and the makoti um, time after the marriage, where you basically go to your New in-laws and their family, and you serve them. Yeah, I think it's for a week. Yeah, well, it depends on the families. <laughs> and and you know. that, that amazed me. Like you go and you you are their servant, and I'm like, and 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 your family goes along with this. Yeah. And, I, I, and and 
and you have volunteers from your family who come with you and mm-hmm. just just yeah yeah unpack this for me break this down for me so that's what we call you know that's what you do when you become a bride so you know because essentially when they pay the wallah for you you know you you are now part of their family you know and so you initiate it into that family you present it to you know the ancestral spirits and you know part of the initiation involves that so you you're going you're going you're now part of that family you're going to give them kids um and and labor and it this the labor part was very very relevant especially in the older days that's what you know the the brides did but now not so much because you know people don't you know you don't live you know in clusters uh anymore i mean indian families yeah. do a lot uh but you know you find with a lot of african families they've moved away from that people are more independent uh, they don't live in the same you know cities and stuff so you you they've you know moved away from that but you know still it's an expectation for many brides come december like now the holidays they're going to have to present themselves to their in-laws and do what's expected of them um you know and serve the family because so so you this is going back more to when they were homesteads yeah you literally you when you got married you then moved in with your your in-laws i know my mother that happened to her and yeah she, she used to tell me the vagaries uh of, of that life until you know my dad you know eventually they 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 moved away so essentially when you moved you had to actually move to another city because you can't justify why you're not going to live with your your in-law wow so yeah yeah because yeah and as you say um, a lot of the indian families do this because i know i also read a lot of books of, of that culture and yes they also also move in with with um the in-laws and mm-hmm. again like you say you've got to move to another city to justify why you don't want to live with your in-laws family yeah but you then have to convince your new husband why you don't want to live with his family yeah Because yeah, that, men, and, yeah. men like to live with their mothers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's okay. It can cause a lot of conflict if you suddenly want to, you know, tear yourself away from this the fabric of the family. Yeah. And they they like the best of both worlds because they want their mm-hmm. mothers and they want their wives. Yes. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> that that just uh, <laughs> it, it just it fascinated me. The, these and and the the aunts. And and they they go with and they 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 do the cooking and they and and the conflict. Uh, I mean, you're you're going into this marriage, and often it starts off with all this conflict, and it's, you know that that I just it can't be a good thing. I mean, I I just yeah, it just amazes me. It's a lot of negotiating and just finding your feet, you know, and you need to you know understand the politics. You know the picking order as well, which yes. you know, and and you are right in the bottom, right at the bottom of that picking order. Order, yeah, and yeah, so you have to find your 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 seat in that family. Oh my goodness, it's uh, it's just you know you you're starting off and you you're starting off a marriage, which is is a whole different thing that you need to get used to. But then you you're doing it and you kind of you are you're in the spotlight. Yeah. You don't even get to do it behind closed doors as you normally would with um, 
with a normal marriage where you go and you move in with your husband and you, you find your own pace and you, you find your own routine. You can't even get to do that. So, yeah. wow. There's a lot of scrutiny. There's yeah. a fortune yeah. scrutiny. I mean, you are under, you, you're literally <laughs> living in a goldfish bowl. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I cannot even imagine. And so, you see the different kinds of marriages. I mean, the other sister-in-law talks about how she, when she first got married, and lived in that setup with her mother-in-law. So you get to see, you know, how tough that can be as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I like it, but also a lot of it, you get the time to, there's a lot of storytelling that goes with it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that the storytelling is vital because you, you sit down with, with the elders of the family as well and you get to hear from them. And there's, there's time to do that, hmm. which I think often there, there isn't in a lot of the, the build up to a marriage and the, the actual hustle and bustle of the day and the ceremony and everything that goes with it. And then maybe you have the time to, to hear from, from the elders of the family. And I know they're telling the stories as to how they think it should be. Mm-hmm. But if you listen and you're willing to take the time to do that, maybe that could be helpful if you're willing yeah. to accept <laughs> that help. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying yeah. everyone is willing, but if you're willing to listen, that's where the knowledge and the advice and the wisdom comes from. Yeah, I think you take what you take, um, you know, rather, you know, just, yeah. Take what you want and, you know, yes. and what doesn't work for you, just leave. But you know, I think, yeah, like you're right. I think listening is a start. You know, a lot yes. of us go into this thing in a defensive mode, but sometimes just listen and, you know, let them speak, you know, give them, you know, that, that voice, you know. Yes. Then, yeah. After the break, we'll come back with a quick wrap up and we'll chat about the chance of, carrying on with the story of the Mafus. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I'm back chatting to my guest Sue Inyati about her book, A Family Affair, which is published by Pan Macmillan. And we discussed earlier in the show that the book is divided up into the different four different parts of the life cycle. And the final part of the book, the epilogue, there's a chapter called The Rebirth. So I'm wondering, are you going to do a follow-up <laughs> of this? I don't know, uh, because I remember the last, when, when my debut novel, I used to say I'm not going to write a sequel, but I am writing one now. Um, so I didn't want to close off that possibility that you know I might come back to it. So, yeah, so it was just like, should I ever want to pick it up? I have a thread to pick it up, yeah. So I don't know. I can't rule it out completely. But right now, not probably not now, but, you know, it, it could be something that I could revisit later. I think that would be a fabulous idea because I think there's lots more to to still unpack about um, the Mafu offspring. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't think this is the end. I think there's <laughs> a lot, a lot to, to uh, hear about them. 
and, and, and people always you... complain that the book finished and i'm like we had already gone to like almost 500 pages it had to end somewhere yes you know? that, that means that there's still a continuation to come this one yeah. had to end but it doesn't mean it doesn't um, have to continue yeah. Yeah, so true. what do you like to read okay so um one of the readers actually asked me if she she says she loved the whole initiation chapter um she thought she found it funny and wanted me to read the poem. Okay, that in that initiation part. And okay, so I'll read it in Isin Debele. And the, the bottom is a translation of that. Okay, so let me read it. Okay. Amadota Ayafana. Amadota Yizinja Zabantu. Amadota Yidoti Zabantu. Indota Jiga, my lady. So, all men are the same. Men are dogs. Men are trash. A man turns when he sleeps. Then he turns on you. So, yeah, so that, that poem, the, the, is the first paragraph, the bottom, the second paragraph is a direct translation of the first. And I just, you know, it's important because you know, we hear, we, you now see the, the hashtag men are trash. Yes. And I just wanted to say it didn't start now with us. You know, our aunts, our mothers have been saying this for years. You know, they just didn't have social media. Yes. And so for you, what was interesting is that, you know, it's the same things that keep coming up. Nothing has changed. It's just that now we're probably more vocal about the things that women go through, but it's still the same struggles, you know. Yeah. Yes, and I think we're vocal because we have the ability to be more vocal and we have the platforms to be more yes. vocal on. So as you say, this has been going on for so long and now we're able to voice it. We have the platforms to voice it on. Sue Inyati, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And if you're listening, please go out and buy the book, A Family Affair. It's a novel by Sue Inyati, published by Pan Macmillan, and really it's highly, highly recommended. It's a fabulous, fabulous read. Sue, I've loved chatting to you. I think the themes of the book are so relevant, and hearing you talk about them has made them even more relevant. It's really highlighted what they're all about. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat no, this thank morning. You. Thank you, Jenison, for introducing me to you know your your audience, and yeah. And if it's any consolation, I actually went to a Jewish school. <laughs> so oh, I'm wow. Not, <laughs> What's yeah. in, in Bulawayo? In yeah, Bulawayo? it was called yeah, Carmel. Um, oh, wow. I, yeah. So, so I'm, saying, I, I'm not a stranger to Jewish culture, though. Not, not completely. <laughs> yeah. So Thank you again so much. If you are listening, don't get wrapped up in all the Black Friday madness. But remember... Your Black Friday pharmacy only at Diskem stores. Now for one week with big offers and huge savings, 23 to 29 November, only at your Black Friday pharmacy, Diskem, pharmacists who care. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, stay safe, wear your mask, look after each other, and read a book.